a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. I'd love us to show our appreciation to Richard, the band and the singers who have done an excellent job this evening. Well done all. Thank you very much. They've been practicing hard for many weeks and uh, you've done well. So thank you all. Really good. Really good. Well, it's been great to uh, hear the Christmas story again, hasn't it, this evening, don't you think? It's, uh, it's a story that I never tire of hearing. I was uh, uh, on the, the Radio Derby breakfast show this morning and uh, we were talking about some of the Christmas adverts that maybe you've seen this year, maybe the, the John Lewis one or the rather more controversial Sainsbury's advert. And uh, we're talking again about another advert that's been produced by uh, a group of various Christian churches and charities designed to um, <coughs> encourage people to get back to the real meaning of Christmas. And we're talking about the, uh, the adverts that are popular this year tell a story. But actually, there's no better story that could be told this time of year than the true story of God becoming man and what we celebrate at, at Christmas time. It's interesting, I think many of us often get uh, what we think about Christmas more from carols than actually from the Bible. And it isn't always very helpful because not all the carols actually have great doctrine in them. It's not actually always uh, entirely accurate. So you might be familiar with Little Donkey. Now I'm not going to sing it, maybe one of you guys could, could sing it, but Little Donkey Carry Mary safely on her way. Well, Mary might have been carried on a donkey, but the Bible doesn't tell us that she was. Mary and Joseph equally might have gone by horseback or cattle cart or perhaps even just walked. Another good one is We Three Kings of Orient Are, which I could sing to you, but I won't because these guys have done so well. <laughs> but the Bible doesn't tell us that there were three it just says that there were wise men who visited Jesus. doesn't tell us that there were three. doesn't tell us that there were necessarily kings. So what does the Bible then actually have to say about Christmas? What is, re- what is it really about? Well, we're going to look at that in a moment. But before we do, I want you to think for a second, what would be the one gift that you could buy somebody if you could buy them anything? If you could get somebody just one thing, it could be anything, what might it be? Or maybe another question for you to think about would be, if you could receive one gift this Christmas time, what would it be? What would be the one thing that you think, well, that would just be fantastic. Maybe a gift that money can't buy, perhaps. What would be that one thing? Why don't you turn to the person next to you very quickly and tell them what it is? that you'd like this Christmas time, or maybe you're going to buy for somebody else. Yeah. Any good ones? <laughs> I wonder, would it perhaps be to, uh, to meet a famous person in history? Maybe you'd like to go back in time. Or maybe even you'd like to go forward in time and, uh, and meet somebody. I'm sure you could come up with some fairly interesting answers. But in the Christmas story, 
we have the true accounts of God giving mankind the gift that no money could buy. It wasn't possible. Nothing could acquire this gift. You see, it's the gift of forgiveness and the gift of a relationship with God himself. And in the Christmas story, we have the accounts of God becoming man. And in it, we find Jesus doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So the Christmas story isn't just about a baby being born in a manger some 2,000 years ago. It's not even about the worship that that baby receives from angels, shepherds and wise men. In it we find the plan of God made public. That which had been hidden becomes known. That which the prophets had spoken of years and years before we find beginning to happen. Some of the readings we had earlier were from the Old Testament, the the first part of our Bible. And um, it's a document written over a period of around about a thousand or so years. And it contains 300 references to Jesus' coming. Now, if you remember in your school days, and some of you are closer uh, at this than others, you may remember probability. Anybody remember probability in their maths lessons at schools? So maybe some of you teachers even teach probability. You can can think about this. The probability of just 48 of those references being fulfilled in one person is 1 in 10 to the power 157. So that's 1 in 10 followed by 157 noughts. Which I'm not quite sure what that number is, looking at you teachers, but it's arguably quite big. And that's just 48 of those being fulfilled in one person. The Old Testament has over 300. And the reading that we had from the book of Philippians talked to this too. Jesus Christ humbled himself, came as a man, was obedient even to death on a cross. So why? Why Christmas? Why did Jesus come as a baby? What's it all about? Well, just for a couple of moments, let's just consider who Jesus is. One of the readings we had earlier was from Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And those few verses will be read at carol services and Christmas celebrations up and down our land and all over the world this Christmas time. And in it, Isaiah, a prophet, is looking forward to the birth of Christ. And he prophesies about him and describes his character and tells us what he will be like. And there are a number of titles that Isaiah ascribes to Jesus. Let's just think about them for a second. Wonderful Counselor. Well, in our culture, a counsellor helps us to understand, doesn't it? We might go to a counsellor to have help with a particular situation or relationship. They listen, they offer advice as to the way forward. Jesus does so much more than that. He's not like some, you know, heavenly shrink. <laughs> He's not just some heavenly agony uncle. No, no, no. Jesus knows God knows the best way forward. He knows how things will turn out. And he loves to listen to you. Think about that for a moment. In God we find someone who loves to listen to you. Loves for you to talk to him. Enjoys being with you. We call that prayer. 
You don't have to call it prayer. And you don't have to book an appointment. You're not restricted to a time slot because it's a relationship. You could talk to him today, now even. Jesus is the wonderful counsellor. Isaiah's second description is mighty God. And before we get into some sort of thinking that, you know, that God's more like, Jesus is more like some sort of cuddly teddy bear, we need to remember that he's God, mighty God. How many of you have read or perhaps seen the film The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe? One of my favourite books by, by C.S. Lewis. And um, in it, Aslan, the lion, represents Christ. And the children get to hear about Aslan from Mr. Beaver. And let me read you a short quote. It says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, says Lucy. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? She says. I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And that's a great description of Jesus. He's the king and he's good. But let's remember too that he's God, mighty God. And the wonderful thing is, this evening, friends, you and I can approach him. We can approach our mighty God. You probably wouldn't get very close to an earthly king. If you sort of rocked up at Buckingham Palace to see the Queen or maybe a king of another nation, my guess is you wouldn't get very far. You know, you might try and scale the wall. You probably stand a good chance of being shot if you do that. Um, but you're not going to get very close unless you're particularly important or maybe you're expected. But you can approach the King of Kings this evening. The mighty God. Isaiah goes on, he's our everlasting father. Well, in a crowd of this size, my guess is that some of you had great earthly dads, some of you have great earthly dads. But maybe for others of you, your experience of your father wasn't so great. Maybe you never knew him. Or maybe it was a negative influence that he brought See, our danger is that we can project onto God our feelings about our own father, be they good or bad. But you see, actually, that's the wrong way around. Because he, God himself, is the example of the best, true father. And those of us who are dads should be seeking to copy him (laughs) and be like him. He's the everlasting father, always there for his children, never too busy, never unreachable. I saw a video of a new worship song online this week and it had these lyrics. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. And there's some great truth there. And finally, Isaiah says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Most of us, I would guess, have known times in our lives that life is anything but peaceful. Maybe even this evening you're thinking, yeah, my life is not peaceful right now. Maybe you're in one of those times right now, even this evening, you're thinking, there's just no peace anywhere. This evening, Jesus would want you to know him as the Prince of Peace. Where your heart is troubled, where there's stress and chaos, Jesus comes to bring you peace. 
don't think that he'll necessarily remove you from that situation or remove the situation from you. But he does come to you in it. And he does promise you his presence and his peace. He promises he'll never leave you. Jesus said himself, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. It's an instruction. It's a command. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. It's not just a good idea. It's an instruction from the Lord. So today you can receive peace afresh from the Prince of Peace. So as we begin to finish, why Christmas? Why Christmas? Well, Christmas shows us that God was committed to his plan of having a relationship with mankind. Even when men and women rebelled against him, defied the original perfect relationship, he didn't give up. That's why Jesus came, to do what we couldn't do. To live a perfect, sinless life, to take on himself the punishment that should have been ours, should have been mine and should have been yours. And in doing so, to open up the way, to make possible the healing of that broken relationship between God and man. It took Jesus to do what we couldn't do. The apostle and gospel writer John puts it like this. To all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And the Apostle Paul could write this, therefore. He says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So how do we finish? What do we say? Well, as we celebrate this Christmas time, the birth of a baby, as we celebrate Jesus coming as a human baby, this Christmas time, you could also celebrate a new birth in your relationship with God. You could discover this year, maybe for the first time, God's love for you. Not just somebody else, not just somebody you know, but you. You could discover his plan for your life and his desire for a relationship with you. And as you carve the turkey, as you open up the presents, I want to encourage you this year, remember the God who gave the greatest gift of all, his son, in order that you might enter in a relationship with him you see it's the greatest gift possible it's a gift of forgiveness and relationship with God it's a gift that money can't buy that you can't earn but comes as a gift for you to accept and this Christmas that gift could be yours let's pray together as we close and perhaps the band would like to come up as we pray 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can celebrate this Christmas time, your birth as a baby. We thank you it didn't end there. We thank you for the life that you lived, perfect and sinless. And we thank you for the death that you died in our place. And then we thank you, Jesus, that you rose again. And in you we have the promise of a new life and a relationship with the living God. We thank you for the truth of it, Lord. We thank you that we can celebrate it this Christmas time. And we pray, O oh God, that you would make it real to us. Maybe for the first time or once again this Christmas time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to know a little more about this relationship with Jesus and what we're celebrating at Christmas time, there's a, there's a booklet that we've got called Why Jesus. I'd love to give you a copy. If you come and see me afterwards, I have some copies that you can take one. Or if you prefer, there's some out in the table just in the foyer. Do take one of those if you've got some questions. It will help you to answer them. And if you'd like to chat more, we'd love to explain it to you. So we're going to sing our final carol together. And then we've got mulled wine, mince pies, tea and coffee. So please don't feel you've got to rush off. Please do stay and uh, join us for those. And maybe join us next Sunday morning as we meet at our usual time of 10 o'clock here next Sunday. Thank you for being with us. God bless you. Have a very happy Christmas. And let's stand for our final carol. podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk.